Okay, folks, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli wa sallim wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altaw sahla wa anta tajmil hazna idha sha'la sahla. Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa hisna ibadatik ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's absolutely fantastic to see you all here, uh, Alhamdulillah. Um, my apologies to all the folks who are both here and online. Standard, obviously, technical issues, uh, always on the uh, the first um, lesson. Obviously, new network, new planning, new ideas, such grand plans. None of it yet come off. We we're meant to have this screen on, that screen on. We we're meant to have all kinds of yani bells and whistles. And if you have a look at all this, by the way. You guys, you guys can see all this. Yeah, this huge mega setup. Where's Yahya going, by the way? Where's Yahya? Where is he? Yeah, yeah, you, uh, take some, go, go into that corner and take some pictures this way of this whole thing, yeah? Um, and all of it has collapsed and we're running the whole show off this laptop here. <laughs> you see that? That's the way that this kind of reality is, right? Sometimes you just have to adapt and the good old laptop just came into good use. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, beginning uh, year 12. It's crazy to say that. Um, and when you think about you know, sometimes you know a hadith, right? You know a certain aspect of the deen, then you see something and then you realize you didn't really understand it at all. So Nabi said that one of the signs of the hour will be that the time will just completely... And it's insane to think that this is the 12th year of this class. Um, started at the old masjid, and now, alhamdulillah, at the a new uh, rebuild of CMA. Um, so alhamdulillah um, there's so much to say so much to catch up on uh, firstly a big shout out to all the folks that took the exam uh, those that deserve the most respect are those of course who uh, take it the most seriously and the ironic thing is that obviously even though it's packed here uh, the majority of the people here are not actually even members of the portal or even the telegram group or know anything about it or do the revision sessions or take the exams it is what it is but that's okay because it is set up as a masjid class right it's set up as a masjid community circle and some folks only want that from it and that's fine and then you've got the the students the proper ones that are studying this properly revising for it properly spending weeks preparing uh, uh, their, their knowledge to be up to date with respect to what we've uh, been teaching from the detailed lessons as well as the revision ones and um, taking it all seriously taking the exam last week some have taken the deferral exam this weekend and this is what you love to see this is ultimately the, the aim but of course as always at the beginning of a new year we always have new people we have those that get, uh, fell off from early days and they've come back then we've got those that are seeing or hearing about this for the first time. Uh, and obviously, things happen over the summer that uh, open the eyes of new people to even the existence of the circle. So, of course, the big thing was the Hajj. Alhamdulillah, you know, after a gap of a good few years, we were finally able to perform a proper Hajj. When I say a proper Hajj, Hajj happened actually every year. But it was a token one or a symbolic one, if you like, through COVID. And then last year was whatever it was it wasn't something that we could really get involved with and it was catastrophic as a result of that this year was 
the attempt to return to normality but under an entire new system I'm not going to speak about that because I gave a little uh, summary of that you'll find it on the Cheadle uh, YouTube uh, uh, thing and if those that are looking to go to Hajj next year then you can review that because it is a new system but the point was is that it was very interesting actually because today a BBC article was, was released about so many people that are looking to get a refund because of how bad the Hajj was um, and Alhamdulillah the suppliers or the they call them marketing partners I don't know what the official title is that uh, we uh, were uh, tied up with they did a fantastic job a fantastic job we were very happy with their services and frankly you know uh, our team we don't need anything more than just the basic services the rest will run ourselves right and so Alhamdulillah it was fantastic so I welcome all of the Hujjaj that have joined us for uh, this year and so many other new people and the most important thing of course is because it's very overwhelming first of all year 12 is like you know right open door close the door kind of job and just walk off right and it's always you know the optics of saying right welcome back to LP year 12 is like as bad as it gets right uh, in terms of encouraging new people and of course if you think about it rationally I mean it makes no sense to not join a class because it's been going on for a long time actually sense would be the opposite you'd say right well this obviously got something going for it it's still going it's still it clearly it's a successful class clearly there is some long-term plan for it um, and but I get it human nature will be like you know there's too much that I've missed there's too much that I've missed and you know what there might be a fair point there. there's no doubt that a person who's uh, taken all the classes is not going to be at the same level as someone who's just you know stepping in for the first time so obviously there's a point there however I want you to know I want you to feel reassured okay as reassured as how stressed people like Mesa and the reference team and the transcribing team and the tahqiq team and the note-taking team and everything everyone else over the summer how hard they've been working how stressed out that they've been because I've just not been around to help them as much as I should have um, what they do and then for uh, Zafar, our teachers Zafar and Hamza and uh, Rayyan, Rayhan, sorry, um, the, uh, the work that they put in in order to teach those revision sessions, it's an incredible family, an incredible structure. And the same also goes for our sister class, Quranic Progression, as well, by Sheikh Ahsan Hanif, which starts next Tuesday. And their team that they've developed, uh, they took this template and they've gone far and above what we ever would have imagined. Fantastic quality uh, uh, team and notes and everything and this is something that should be treasured this is not the norm anymore in a time where people have basically given up uh, and when I say given up I mean the numbers are so few so few that are studying the Dean seriously or long-term study and everyone's quite content to get a quick Instagram video a quick TikTok a quick snapchat quick fatwa whatever that whole kind of nature of just being able to summarize even some people they don't even bother playing the video because the answer has been given on the screen, the, what's it called, the thumbnail, right? So the thumbnail might give the question, they might give the answer, because they know that really, realistically people are not even bothering to play the 10 second video. I mean, the state of the whole attention thing, studying thing, whatever, is, is deplorable, right? And so when you see an opportunity uh, like this, then you should grab it both hands especially those folks who are new because the folks that have done it before they know what this is worth and they know the value but those that are new would get overwhelmed and so let me make it clear to everyone here who is either rejoining or is new first time and especially for those folks who are uh, online 
um, that, and a big shout out to everybody online. Can I get rid of the screen? You don't need to see it, do you? Yeah. I just want to, because what, what this was meant to be for was for me to be able to see my online people. And uh, I just want to uh, get those folks in. So to every single uh, student that is with us online, welcome to you folks, because they're coming from all time zones. Some people are like woken up in the middle of the night. You wouldn't believe that, but that, that's the case. And for some people, it's in the middle of the working day. And that's just the reality of the situation. So there we have all the folks who are online. Dina, Danish, Jodri is there, Mohammed Mudir. We've got Rivers, we've got Fiza from uh, Canada at the moment. So many people, alhamdulillah, um, So um, you start straight away. Right? You start from where we are. Join the classes, pick it up where we are. Everything is going to be able to be explained. Anything that you don't understand, you ask there and then. This is a, I know it's all very quiet and tense at the moment. That's because I haven't opened the chocolates, right? But, but by the way, chocolate is banned. They're not listening to you. They're not listening to you. Tell them, go and put it in your pocket. Because I'm a rock, all right? I'm not interested. Okay, if I tell you that we've dumped obviously a whole load over there and they're forbidden, right? And we have, we have Dr. Shazad thinking that he's a bad man. And then we've got, I can't even reach over there. We've got a massive box which could probably feed all the Cheeto. And then uh, delivered by the way, right? So this, this one is delivered from London, this bag over there. And he's actually sitting there. And he knows that he's you know, causing the fitna, laughing, <laughs> yeah? And there's this, that, whatever. Some way I need to punish people, you're just going to have to look at it. Or even worse, you know what, we're going to give it to the uncles that come for Isha. <laughs> yes. The uncles that will come for Isha, they're the ones who are going to get. Teach you a lesson, no more chocolates, no more. We're a laughing stock. You know, I looked at that video, that video, you know when it was recorded? No, no traditions. We cancel all the traditions. You, you know, by the way, I'll tell you what, Ajman, let me tell you something. You haven't bought anything yet. I was watching that video. I was watching the video for maybe about the 100th time, yeah, today. And you know the back and forth that I'm having with the mysterious Yani? Oh, no, but that's that fish right over there, okay? That's Ajman, the sweet shop owner who brings the icy cups, him, the Tim Horton, tip. Timbits, whatever they're called, him, the flipping raspberry laces, the strawberry lips, the flah, flah, blah, blah, him. And he's now made all this tradition, bakwas and whatever, whatnot, made us all fat now. And that's it. We spent the whole, uh, bro, I couldn't have made our hajj even more, any more difficult than we did, right? We were doing around 100,000 steps every day or something crazy in 50 degrees, God knows what. Tried to lose all the weight. And then that packy over there then basically brings chocolates and says, right, la la. We like you fat, <laughs> yeah. We want you. We want to. We want to do bakra behavior of you. Anyway, so chocolates are banned. A very, very serious. One hundred percent. Stop bringing chocolates. Stop bringing sweets. Look after your physical health. Look after your mental health. Look after my mental health. However, because we don't do zulm of the people, right? There is one box that I have to absolutely distribute, and I will because this is from Baji Shamim, who was with us, who of course we all know here in Chido. Is she here today? She didn't even come, the chari, right? And she gave us this box 
this huge mental mega box. Shazad says that he's taken out all the haram stuff. I don't know what that means, okay? <laughs> but, but I think he's basically taking his favorites, yeah? So we'll give that out and we'll give a few out. But honestly, we have become a laughing stock, as it says on the video. Yes, Hiba. You can say something, Hiba. But you are disturbing the class again. <laughs> Seventy percent of the lesson is me. Ten percent of the lesson is me violating people. Such a horrible word. Do you know Gen Z and millennials? They've got the worst, and they just throw it out. I feel violated. You know these teenagers. Violation. You like what? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Forty percent is me being hardcore thick. Oh yeah, hardcore fiqh, yeah, salah, yes, good. 50% is me basically chatting away. I'm just glad that she counts to 100, that's all. <laughs> the amount I pay for her maths tuition, yeah, is insane. Maths lessons here, tutor at home, and I'm there thinking, please be 100, please be 100. <laughs> ya Allah, shukran Allah, malika, money was not wasted. All right, so... With all of that being uh, said, this microphone is so loud. Do we even need a microphone? Guys, can I try without the microphone? Yeah? Can you guys hear me comfortably at the back? Do you prefer without the microphone or with the microphone? The problem is that you lot are all just like this. This one's going all the way that way. So, inshallah, okay. All right. All right, so um, where are we then? We are... Uh, let me bring up our notes. Is it loaded to the portal, Shaz? Oh, so yeah, I was going to say for the new folks. New folks should just slot straight in, join straight in with the, the subject as it is. The most important uh, portal that you have, of course, is the Telegram group. You've got the opportunity to be able to put your questions there and queries, anything about the class, resources. And you've got a whole old, uh, load of students that will be able to answer that and show you that. So that's with respect to the modern stuff. And then... It's actually incredibly easy because of the hard work of the team to catch up on 12 years time. It sounds disingenuous. Like the Americans and Canadians, we tell them something different. Because those guys have got all the time in the world. They spend all their, yeah, any, uh, uh, like 10 hours a day on Route 66 or God knows what, driving, driving, driving. Their culture is basically to drive five hours one way, five hours that way, not a care in the world, listening to podcasts, this, that, whatever. So you lot miles will knock yourselves out and start from year one and listen to the podcast. And by the way, so many do, right? But if you don't, then every year has one hour revision session. So 12 hours would catch up the whole 12 years. And I mean that. Likewise, there's revision tables that summarize each year. Likewise, if people want to skim through notes quickly, then the whole of these 12 years has been transcribed. So don't worry about the previous stuff. Focus and concentrate on the, uh, concentrate on the uh, current lesson and don't overwhelm yourself thinking that, yeah, you know, I can't keep up with this and, and the like. All right, so what are we in then? Let's start at the top. I should, I should what did you say, Shaz? Did you say that we're, we're in, yeah? yeah, yeah. Oh, it is there, yeah. Oh my God, it's so small, Shaz. You're to be, uh, no, you know what, I'm just going to go, to no, no, I'm going to go to the, 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 my email, that's easier. Yeah. So, let's read out where we are at. 
By the way, online folks, let us know whether the picture is good and whether the uh, the sound is good. That's important. And also in the sound, you should be looking out for any echo. Are you able to? Does the echo really mess things up? Um, you know what I'm going to do? We are in Babul Imamah. We're about to finish it. Maybe today. Maybe not. Will we finish it? We won't finish it. Finish it, but we'll, we'll finish the main section of it. Yeah, I mean the the remaining part. I think we'd add put up a, tables of contents in the Telegram group, so you can see like you know what's going to be covered. So most of the stuff will be covered. But I might just read out the whole thing as a recap of what we've been doing the the, the, the last year. And there's no point reading all that in Arabic. So I'll just read out the English, and then I will read out in Arabic the session that we'll be doing today. So this is the content over the last year. The most deserving person to be the Imam is in order, number one, the most versed in the Qur'an, knowledgeable of the fiqh of his prayer. Then, number two, the most erudite of them in jurisprudence, in fiqh. Then, the eldest. Then, the most noble. Number five, then the one who migrated first, an indication of person's diana, religiosity, because making that big move to Medina was a sign of proper iman. Number six, then, the one with most taqwa. And then seven, whoever is chosen by lots, basically, chance. Yeah? What's that what's the modern... Yeah, paper, scissor, whatever it's called. All right. The occupant of a house and the imam of a masjid also have the most right to lead. All right. So this is separate to that category above. You might be above them in all of these things. You might be a bigger scholar than the imam of the masjid you come to. And you might be the greatest reciter when you approach a person's house and he does come to a person's house and he doesn't know anything. But... The occupant of a house and the imam of his masjid also have the most right other than in the presence of someone of formal authority. So if the Amir al-Mu'mineen came down, if the Qadi came down, they automatically take over the, uh, 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 the, the position of imam. So they're, they're the exception. Okay? The prayer is invalid when offered behind, number one, an evildoer, such as a disbeliever, number two, a woman. This is talking about the congregational prayer. Yeah? Number three, a hermaphrodite for male followers, a hermaphrodite for male followers. Number four, a child for someone post-pubescent. Let me just quickly uh, make a point here. Again, the new people will be confused by this. For the new folks, what we are reading out is the position of the Hanbali Madhab. And this class, Logical Progression, uses the template of the Hanbali Madhab. We translate their text, but our class position is often something different. We go through each point, and then we will cover it from all of the madahib, look at the different opinions on this issue. So for example, for us, that's not a problem. Our class position, and indeed the position of the majority of scholars, is that a child can lead post-pubescent people, meaning a child can lead an adult. Okay? They can. But it is a matter of difference of opinion. In a humbly opinion, it is invalid for that to happen. So remember that you are hearing not actually our position or my position, you're just hearing our study text. Okay? A child for someone post-pubescent, a mute person for obvious reasons because he doesn't have the ability to actually lead and then number six one who cannot one who cannot bow prostrate sit or stand unless he's the local imam who is expected to recover this is a temporary state it is recommended that they meaning the people actually pray behind him in that same state i.e seated as well if he starts the prayer while standing but then has to sit down due to a problem but then they should complete the prayer standing we spoke a lot about that and you would have seen that in the revision sessions. It is valid for someone who is incontinent to pray behind someone like him. It is not valid to knowingly pray behind someone with ritual impurity 
or with inexcusable filth. Ritual impurity means that they've broken their wudu. This means hadith, right? Or with inexcusable filth, which means najis, actual physical feces, urine, etc., etc. If the imam and the follower are ignorant of this, they didn't know that they had no wudu. They didn't know that they got najasa upon them. And they were ignorant of this until the prayer ends. Only the followers' prayer is valid. And you would have known that in our class, we would have said, no, we disagree with that. It depends upon the level of knowledge and intention. It is not valid for an illiterate ummi, someone, and who is an ummi? Someone who doesn't recite Fatiha correctly, or makes idgham in the wrong place, or replaces letters, or makes grammatical mistakes in such a way that it nullifies the meaning. It's not valid for such a person to lead except someone like him. So the, the only person that person can lead, the illiterate one, is another illiterate person. When someone illiterate is able to fix his problems, meaning he has the ability to correct his recitation and the like and so on, then his prayer is invalid. Meaning intentionally choosing to continue in an illiterate, incorrect, impermissible state. That's what that point is making. It is dislike for someone to lead when, one, he makes grammatical mistakes, he stutters on the fa or the ta, meaning that he doesn't have the ability to be able to make clear what is being said. He does not pronounce some of the letters, just didn't have the ability to pronounce it. He leads one or more foreign women, ajnabiya, meaning non-related, non-mahram women, unaccompanied by another man, meaning that this is, it is disliked, not haram, for the scenario that we explained, you know, the, 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 the airport, musalla, where there's a man and a woman, Man comes in and the woman prays behind. This is a valid prayer, but it's disliked, okay? Just the two alone. And the final uh, reason for a prayer to be disliked or for an imam to be uh, disliked for an imam to lead is if the majority of the people don't like him. If the majority of people don't like him, we spoke about that as well, that this is a position of social confidence, right? It's He's our representative. We have to have trust in him. And when we feel that that's not there, that he's taken that trust, ruined that trust, then he shouldn't be the one who leads the prayer. It is valid for an illegitimate child or a soldier to lead the prayer, providing their religion is sound. Another interesting kind of uh, text to find in a fiqh manual. But the reason is there is because, again, of populist uh, uh, belief. They would, have, they would normally look down on such people. And sometimes it's upon, upon, it's upon the scholars to assert that they're absolutely fine if they're qualified. Don't, you know bring them down just for the fact because they are illegitimate or because of the soldier and not having the ability to study because they're always out. That's an interesting point. Which I don't know whether, know whether we, we spoke about then, but there's an implicit understanding that those people who go out to do the action part, the real proper defending of Islam, it's almost not expected for them to study because they haven't got time. It's not expected for them to do the kind of things. And that's why, of course, in Surah Tawbah, let a group of you stay that are learned in the religion to teach the people, right? So it's almost like a, a dichotomy between, between that. But that doesn't, that doesn't mean that that's actually uh, an eternal kind of truth that every soldier can't lead anything. Some of them are actually very, very uh, educated and Manchester knows that very, very well because of the huge population of those that returned back from the Afghani uh, Jihad who ended up teaching many of the people in Manchester many many of the people of manchester most of, most of the if you look at our libyan communities algerian communities tunisian communities 
these in the majority, I would say, a lot of those folks that came down uh, that have settled here, most of the education at the higher level were from returning mujahideen who were the soldiers of their um, of their of their era. It is valid for someone making up the prayer to lead someone praying the current prayer and the opposite. Okay, so the intentions do not need to be exactly the same. However, that's a point of difference of opinion. It is not valid for someone praying a supererogatory prayer. A supererogatory means a non-obligatory prayer. Okay. Uh, just a point that we often used to say voluntary prayer, voluntary prayer. Voluntary is not a correct phrase. Voluntary means that I don't have to do it. I just kind of offer it when I want. That's not the definition of a sunnah. Sunnah is, needs to be done. But you're not punished if you don't do it. That's why the actual phrase for it is supererogatory. Yeah? Nafal or sunnah. All right? So it is not valid according to the Hanbali school. It is not valid for someone praying a supererogatory prayer to lead someone praying an obligatory prayer. Nor for someone to pray dhuhr behind someone praying asr or other prayers. I.e. the difference of opinion. The difference of intention, sorry. And this of course is the famous opinion of the Hanafi school as well. According to our class position, according to a number of scholars, according to the Shafi'i school, this is permissible. Again an example of how we differ from the class text. Then the next section was where the Imam and the followers stand. What would be interesting is to find out, was this one year or is this two years content? Anyone know that? 30, well, just one year? This is 39 uh, lessons in this chapter. So yeah. Probably just... About one year, huh? Where the Imam and the followers stand. This is the subsection. Followers stand behind the Imam. Followers stand behind the Imam. It is valid, likewise, with the Imam, if you are on the Imam's right side, alone, or on both sides of him. So one and one. It is not, however, valid to stand in front of the Imam or only in the Imam's left side. Okay? It is not valid for an individual to pray standing alone behind the Imam or behind the line unless a woman. Because a woman stands alone, separate, behind the Imam. Unless you're in Chidu Masjid, which mashallah will be a masjid where the women are prayed to the side. A female Imam stands in their line, meaning she stands in the middle of the actual same line, not yani in front, like the word Imam, who's Amamunas, right? The female Imam stands in the line, the same one. Men stand behind the Imam, now in order of Sufuf. Men stand behind, so the Imam, men stand behind the Imam, then the youth, and then women, just as in the burial prayer. And if you look at the notes, uh, Mesa did a very nice diagram to show that uh, as well, if you look at the transcribed notes. Uh, yeah, the transcribed notes, which I, I might, be, might, might be released, might not be. She can confirm on the thing. Right, and now as for being alone in the line. This whole concept of a person coming late. All right, now imagine that the jama'ah has started. This now section covers coming to a masjid and the jama'ah having kicked off. If someone stands in a line along with a non-Muslim, a woman, someone known to have ritual impurity, or a youth in an obligatory prayer, then he is considered to be alone. Right? You know that principle where we said, Wujudihi ka admihi. His presence is like his absence. It's like he's not there. Because you praying next to a woman is not valid. She can't make up a congregation with you. Likewise, the one who's impure, he's not, he's not able to pray. So it's like he doesn't exist either. A non-Muslim standing next to you isn't two people in line. It's only one person. He can't pray anyway. You understand the point? So you do need to consider who is next to you. The fourth point we differ with, we believe that having a youth next to you is, is okay. 
Whoever finds a gap enters it. Otherwise, he stands on the right of the Imam. And if that is not possible, then he may alert someone to stand with him. We were more flexible on this issue. The Hanbalis are quite strict. What they're basically saying is that if you... What the Hanbali position is, is that basically, no matter what, you can't stand alone by yourself in a separate line. And whatever happens, if you can't squeeze yourself into the next one, then what you do is you go right round through the people and stand on the right-hand side of the Imam. Okay? Like in, you walk in the middle of a big jama'ah, go all the way to the front and stand on the right-hand side. And he goes, if that's not possible, then you basically tell people, I need someone to come back, and then you do the whole dragging back kind of behavior. We said no trudging people, no dragging back people, no disturbing the imam. The position of the majority of scholars is that, listen, you had no choice, so you just pray alone by yourself. The Hanbalis don't want that to happen unless it's an absolute emergency. Right? And then they go into a lot of detail to, see, to teach us whether... How can that prayer alone be valid? So, they, it, so it will say, if a follower prays a rak'ah alone in a line, the prayer is invalid. That's the humbly position. They're the strictest on its issue. So I want you to imagine that if the lines are all complete and you are standing alone in a line behind because there's no space and you pray a whole rak'ah, the whole prayer is invalid because you offered a proper, full, complete unit alone in a line. Right? Alone in a line. Uh, but it is valid if the follower bows alone and then enters the row with people in it. What does this mean? This is, all of this is, is all trying to understand that famous hadith of the companion who came into the masjid. The, there's a walk between the entrance door to get to the last line of people. The masjid's packed. Yeah, not packed, but there's a gap there. There's a space, I mean. And as he's walking, he realizes he's not going to make the rak'ah. He's not going to make the rak'ah. So whilst walking, he goes into ruku'ah. So as he, imagine someone walking through that door and saying, Allahu Akbar, going into ruku'ah and walking in ruku'ah. One, two, three rows. Okay, and that's what happened at that time. Right, the companion did that. And in actual fact, the scholars allowed that, okay? They, this is what the Hanbali text is, is, is implying. It's saying that the prayer will be valid if the follower, the ma'moom, the one who's praying behind the imam, he bows alone and then enters the row that has the people in it, okay? Or if, right, and they know that he's going to be coming soon. He's just behind them. And so what he does is that he starts his Fatiha, confident that by the time that the Fatiha and the Surah is recited, the guy is going to come and join him, right? And therefore, before we get to the critical point, and the critical point here, according to the Hanbalis, is not the Ruku'ah. The critical point here, according to the Hanbalis, by their definition of one whole unit, is the Sajda, which is why they said, uh, but if it is valid if the follower, if someone else comes and stands with the follower, before the imam prostrates so as long as that guy from the wudu area comes and joins you standing for even a few seconds before you go to the sajda then your prayer is valid now that's the humble position what's our position on that we said all of this doesn't matter because it's allowed for a person to pray alone by himself no problem at all what else was he going to do you don't grab people this whatever he does not have any choice all right now the rules for following the imam and this is the section that we're in okay it is valid for a follower to follow an imam in a mosque, even if, the, even if he does not see him, okay? Or 
someone nor someone behind him. So if this place got filled up now with the sisters, yeah, and you got this little area outside, right? The door's closed. They can't see the Imam and they can't even see you, right? But they're out there because it's a continuation of this line, of the sisters' lines, and they can hear on the speaker the movements of the uh, Imam because they can obviously hear. And so therefore, their prayer outside with that wall, not being able to see you lot, not being able to see the Imam, all of this is not required. This is interesting because you'll see... Um, what's that showing? Is that showing anything? Is the camera on? But you, you saw earlier on, yeah? It was showing the camera of the uh, thing. Uh, the, the irony is that that shouldn't be there, right? It doesn't need... Or it should be very diffuse. At the very beginning, it was, you know, right opposite the Imam and it was very, you know, it was weird, the picture that was on there. This is, I suppose, acceptable. You don't need to see the Imam, especially a, you know, a, a video version whilst you're praying. That's as disturbing as it gets. So this matter is quite... Uh, flexible as long as he hears the takbir and obviously with the speakers in this masjid you are hearing what's happening and so therefore it's allowed for you to pray in places of course it's not allowed for you to pray intentionally in the shoe area whilst you could come in but if it's all packed then that's how you uh, do that it is similarly valid outside of the mosque provided that he sees the imam or the followers again the idea there is that everyone's spilling out as long as you can see the last line, this would be the classic Masjid al-Haram kind of vibe, Masjid al-Nabawi kind of vibe. You don't see the millions of people inside, you just see the last line that maybe you see on the outskirts of the, maybe the mall sometimes, which is, you know, stretching all the way. It is valid to pray behind an Imam who is elevated above them. You know, sometimes you get a little stage in certain masajid. It is disliked, however, Number one, for the Imam to be elevated above them, the, ha, the, the, the height of an uh, arm span, dhira'a, which is about 30, 35, 40 centimeters average, yeah? This arm span, or more than that, when there's no need. If there's a need for that, it might be that there's a massive congregation of tens of thousands, and, or maybe that the structure has already been pre-built, for example, like in some of our you know, converted churches and all that kind of stuff, yeah? Uh, number two, is dislike for the Imam to lead in the prayer niche. So a prayer niche is kind of, you know, that cove, you can say the mihrab, but here the intention by, by this is not necessarily the mihrab itself, but an area that a person goes into and becomes consumed by it. The, the, the understanding of this, by the way, is because you are not being able to, you, you can't be seen. You can't be seen by the people, you're hidden from view and you're not meant to be hidden, you're meant to be in front of the people. And this idea of what do you think the mihrab is for, well, we'll ask the question of the people who made it. What is it for? It certainly isn't a sunnah. Right? It's not something from the Prophet's time. Yes, its function is to reverberate, well, to indicate qibla and also to reverberate the sound. Right? But that happens whether you are standing three meters out of it or whether you're standing face into it. Actually, a little bit back gives an opportunity for a wider spread as opposed to being right face up and you know, it kind of come back like that. And number three, uh, to pray a voluntary prayer, it is disliked. To pray a voluntary prayer in the same place he prays the obligatory prayer unless there is a need. This was the last lesson of last year. Okay? Unless, so it is disliked what? To pray a sunnah prayer in the same place as the obligatory prayer. So you might notice those men more so that when the imam comes he doesn't stand on his musalla praying the sunnah. He prays it to the left hand side, not to not confuse the people, to not make the people panic, not to create any situation, whatever. And then starting from today's then uh, uh, lesson, so let's read the Arabic for uh, the thing. Now we're going to go into number four. Uh, 
where are we? Where are we? Uh, okay, the Imam says, Okay, that's our today's lesson to, to finish this subject. Um, that translates as that it is disliked to prolong sitting facing the Qibla after the prayer. But if there are women there, he waits for a little so that they can leave. Well, so they can leave. It is disliked for the followers to stand in between pillars that break the lines. So these two sentences is what we're covering today. So first of all, the fourth point that is disliked for the Imam. The Imam shouldn't be Start, uh, sitting in his position facing the Qibla. Now, let's take our reset now, get back into studying now. All right? Uh, this is uh, uh, for those that are following it in Sharh Mumti, this is page 305 in volume uh, 4, okay, of uh, Sharh al Mumti. Only 15 volumes left? <laughs> Whatever. It's good. We've got all the time in the world. All right. So, what should happen? The Imam, when he finishes the prayer, okay, so you know, you see the Imam says, Salaamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah, Salaamu Alaikum wa Rahmatullah. Then you hear, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. That's what you hear from the Imam, right? And everybody's now, you know, doing that istighfar and starts their, their uh, uh, adhkar and so on. At this moment now, the clock is ticking. We actually have defined sunnah for what should happen for all three categories of people here. One, the Imam, two, the males, and three, the females. All three separate categories, separate actions. The Imam, it is a sunnah for the Imam to turn round quick. To turn round quick, and the Prophet ﷺ, when he was in his, uh, uh, you know, sitting in his tashahud, and he's just finished, we have hadith as narrated by the Prophet ﷺ, that he said, Astaghfirullah thalatha marrat, and Allahumma anta as-salam wa minka as-salam, tabarakta ya dhal jalal wal ikram, hadith narrated in, I believe in Sahih Muslim. Uh, let's look at this, where did he say to? Yeah, this hadith I'm pretty sure is in Sahih Muslim, the reference is not here, as far as I remember from memory. Number one, yes, in Sahih Muslim, uh, volume one, uh, or hadith number uh, 136, okay? The Prophet Sallallahu this hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha, again an indication that Aisha used to be present in the masjid. And she said that إِذَا سَلَّمَ When he would say As-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, as-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullah, لَمْ يَقُلْ إِلَّا مِقْدَارُ مَا يَقُولْ He would not sit in that position facing the Qibla except for the length of time. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarak tiyadil jalali wal ikram. Okay? And so therefore he would then suddenly then turn round. So that's the first thing, length of time. Got to be short. What happens next? That it is sunnah for the imam, sunnah, to either stand up and go, so stand up and leave to a place like go to a different place, sit at the back and then do your dhikr, or stand up and leave. We have hadith again in hadith in Bukhari, okay, the hadith of Uqba. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu, that I prayed behind the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Bil Medina, Bil Medina, Al Asr, and 
he gave the salam and then he stood up quickly and he kind of went through the people. They parted as he went back to the houses of his wives. Okay, so we know that the structure, if I'm the, the, the Imam, uh, if I'm sitting in the position of the Prophet and this is the Qibla, the houses of the wives are here. Okay, the houses of the wives are all on this left hand side, right, very, very close. And they go all the way down like that. Okay, so it started at the house there of Hafsa, and then Aisha right here, and then further down. And so what he's done is that he's turned up, stood up, and he's walked. Whether he enters or not, it's not clear. Whether he's just gone to sit down making adhkar, or he's gone to his room to finish his adhkar, we know that that's his way, by the way. Sallallahu you know, here, when a person gets up and goes, we're thinking that they've gone. Actually, they're continuing their worship in a more secluded area, or in a different way. Classic example is the hadith of Taraweeh. Right? The Prophet ﷺ comes out first night, second night, third night, and then he goes, you know what, this is going to become obligatory upon you. You guys keep coming up in big numbers, and I don't want you to do that. And so he carried on praying then inside. You're thinking that he's not praying. He was praying, obviously, all the prayers every single uh, night. So that's the one thing that is recommended to do, to stand up if you're the imam. The second thing which is recommended is there are so many hadith which are fascinating. Big discussion amongst the scholars about what is the exact sunnah direction to turn. We have loads of hadith that the Prophet ﷺ turned to his right-hand side. So he turns around to his right-hand side and therefore he is in that direction, diagonal. Right? He never... It's really interesting. As far as I know, and Allah knows best, according to my limits of knowledge, I don't think that he turned around and faced the people directly. Right? Like straight, boom. Right? But rather what he did, so if I turn around like that, then I'm now basically looking like that. And if I turn around like this, so I've now finished, and then I turn around like that, then I'm looking like that. So he's got a slight angle to this way and a slight angle to that way. And what's really interesting is that different companions said that this was his dominant position to the left. Another companion says, this was his dominant position, to the right. As Ibn Hajar said, each companion narrated what they saw of the dominant reality. But us, we can see as we gather all the hadith, and this is an in interesting point to, to learn, that logically speaking, the scholars that are closest to the time of the sunnah should be able to very accurately get the most correct position. Ironically, often, the way that this deen is, Allah has protected its narration that later scholars can be on a more correct position than the earlier folks because they have the ability to be able to purvey all of these uh, evidences that some of the ones at that time weren't able to get access to either because of geographical location or because of the prayers that they were attending they didn't get to see that and so on whereas we are now you know seeing you know you, you know how the story goes you'd see so many narrations from people in Iraq and people in XYZ traveling to see Aisha radiallahu anha to take one hadith, you know, and to, they get one hadith of the inner uh, makings of the home of the Prophet sallallahu And they would be visiting the other wives of the Prophet sallallahu and ask what was he like, you know, at home, what was he like at night, what was he like at this? And they would go for big missions trying to find out. Whereas we just type it in and we have every single hadith from every single wife of the Prophet sallallahu covering every single minute inside, every single minute outside, when he's abroad with his servant. So we have a greater kind of almost, now that, and 
the irony, of course, is that they get the more reward, they get the more barakah, but at least from a legal position, we are able to have a, an overview of everything. So in any way, as Ibn Hajar said, it's the Imam and Nawi and the big scholars, they said, they go that the sunnah is for sometimes the Imam to turn around and face roughly to the right, and sometimes to come and turn right to the left. And there's also no prohibition being in front of the people, especially with the age of a, uh, a microphone. Now you might say, why, why is it a problem to remain like that? Any ideas? Why is it a problem to stay uh, uh, in your qibla? You do see that sometimes, right? That's the first issue. They're not they're confused what's going on, what's, what's happening. And by the way, on this point, right? I want you to think about a famous thing that you might see. Who's been to a masjid where you hear this? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Allahu Akbar. Everyone who says Allahu Akbar. Yeah, you'll see that in a Jamiat Al Hadith type of masjid, okay, and you'll see this in some of the kind of more Salafi type mosques. And what they're doing is that they are applying literally almost hadith that indicate that Abdullah ibn Abbas, when he was coming, right, he coming to the masjid, he knew that the jama'ah had completed because he heard the collective Allahu Akbar. You understand the point there? Right? They heard the collective takbir. So it's a fascinating hadith here because they all took a different position on this. So you see like the minority, the extreme minority, they took it literally. That's why you see them, if you go to like, you know, one of these kind of uh, Pakistani type al hadith type mosques like, you know, Birmingham, Green Lane. I don't know if they still do that or not, but certainly like a Makki or something like that. Yeah. You or certainly if you go to Pakistan, you'll see that in India, you'll see it all over the place is that the Imam will lead everybody else and they'll say Allahu Akbar and then they'll continue on with their adhkar. What did the majority say? The majority said that actually that Ibn Abbas didn't mean takbir by the word takbir but rather he meant the adhkar of the people and rather that he meant that uh, or he meant the distinction between silence of people who are following and then the chatter and the adhkar of the people who have completed the prayer, right? So there is meant to be some kind of indication of the prayer as well. Is it at that time? Bismillah. Go ahead. Is it time? Okay. Yeah.
Alright, so the next part then, he goes, And if there are women in that masjid, so he actually remains there a little bit longer. He delays his turning around the imam and the getting up. Uh, I, I, sorry, I, I kind of um, uh, jumped the point. One is the confusion of the actual, the fact has the jama'ah finished or not. When the jama'ah finishes, you're meant to indicate it. How did the majority understand it? They said that this is the general chitter chatter and the azkar that's going on. Actually, in the Hanbali school, you'll see that if you go to a, a, a masjid in like Saudi and the Hanbali kind of areas, you will actually see the followers going, Allahumma anta salam anka salam. Allahu la ilaha illahu al hayyul qayyum. I actually think this is a better interpretation of the hadith. Loud indications, like the Prophet ﷺ used to do. You know, the Prophet ﷺ in salah, when he would lead the quiet prayers, like a dhahr, it would be, Arwahi. Indicating the jama'ah is in. Likewise, I think in adhqar, you indicate that you're out. You indicate, yani, your, your dhikr. You don't disturb people, but it's just a, a sound that's clearly differentiating the, 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 the vibe in the masjid from it being not a congregation, right? The other uh, point to note here, why is it disliked for the Imam to remain like that? Because it is disliked, some said not permissible, but it's disliked for the people to leave before the Imam. And so actually he's holding them back. By him not turning around, he's not kind of giving permission for the people to get off. The reason why is because we have on record from the Prophet although not in the exact same shakal, but similar, that he was like waiting, 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 because he wasn't sure whether he had prayed four or five. Then he got up and he went to the pillar and he, then he turned around, spoke to Abu Bakr, you know, and they said, uh, you know, has the prayer changed or, you know. And so the whole conversation happened, we covered it a couple of years back, right? And so whilst you're sitting there, they could be thinking, which is absolutely true because I've been there, you're sitting there thinking, you've finished the prayer and you're now doing the whole prayer again in your head. Right? And then you kind of turn around slowly and say, guys, you know what? I messed up. And so therefore, because of the possibility of a sajda sahu that's coming, people shouldn't get up until the imam turns around. Confidence, prayer's done, no mistakes, nobody corrects him, nobody says, by the way. And so therefore, so therefore, if you keep sitting there, then people are going to be sitting there all day. Right? So that's why it's not good to hang around. All right. Except when there are women in the masjid, and of course, the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, different to the Sunnah of Chido, right, is that the men could always see the women because there's no barrier. And so when the men turn around, the women are right there. And we have a hadith, very interesting one, um, from Umm Salama radiallahu anha, in which she said that when the Prophet ﷺ would give salam, the women would get up just when he would complete his uh, salam. So as soon as the Imam gives salam, they would get up and they would leave. And he would just remain in his position, not turned round. So he would remain in his position, not turned round, to keep the men there, basically. For the same reason I just mentioned. Okay. Before he stood up, Allahu A'lam, we believe that this is the case قبل أن يدركهن أحد من الرجال that he remained like that so that not for him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, but what he sees 
Because of course, from a teaching point of view, you're looking at women all the time, but that the men will not get up, and then obviously, then it leads to a big kind of you know jam at the uh, exits and whatever. And so he's given them an opportunity to get off, and then now obviously this hadith is important for us to discuss because in it there is the importance of how the Prophet was cautious not to allow this this unnecessary mixing. We call it free mixing. And this is a big subject, which I don't think we can really kind of dive into and give it all its hug right now. But the point is that this is something which is being removed from our ummah at the moment, right? That sense of decorum. Sometimes a sister will come to speak to me, for example. You can tell those who are older to those who are younger, right? Those who are older will maintain, you know, meter, something, whatever. Others will be right face up, like as if, you know, it's a chat in the park kind of thing, right? And that kind of personal space thing is obviously more emphasized for a female. So it is important for us to reaffirm these values that we have, that we try to reduce the kind of uh, gathering together. That doesn't mean, of course, that, like I said, it's a massive subject. We have so many ahadith of people speaking openly and clearly in public spaces, but it's just unnecessary ikhtilat, okay? Mixing. Um, now, does that apply when you have separate exits, separate areas? No. They wouldn't apply here. So for you guys, you can get off straight away. These guys are going that way, women are going that way. But when you see the situation in the shoe areas of your masjid, you should be aware of this. That, you know what, let me just stay to the side. Let me stay to the, let's stay, keep decorum. So I think that's um, uh, important. Okay? And then the final line, And it is disliked for them to stand in a line that has pillars. Disliked. Now obviously, if the masjid has to have that, then... It is what it is. But otherwise, you should try to avoid that. Because a pillar is destroying the line. And this is a really important reminder for people in every mosque, let alone this one as well. You see, this one here, we suffer from a very interesting one, uh, which the sheikh still needs to work on and uh, perfect. And that is that because of the length of the line and the depth being so short, the sheikh, he's assuming that everybody has come to together and they don't you'll see that there's a lot of gaps in between the people. A lot of people will come in and they can't even see the end of the line where there's gaps, right? And I want you to see this point and how much concern there is for the gaps. When you stand in the line, especially in this masjid, you should gently keep nudging the person to your left-hand side until you all bunch up into the middle. Everyone should keep bunching, bunching, bunching. And it's your responsibility, before you start a new line, always go to the ends and do that. So especially in this masjid and other masajid as well. So much so that this point is saying that even a, a, a pillar, right? Now a pillar needs to be quite big. They said two or three zira'a. So you look talking 40, 50 centimeters in width or in height. That's the one that disturbs. Small things that you don't notice, small obstructions, you know, like whatever, women's handbags, I guess. Yeah. The horse, if you ever want to see the most horrible thing ever in human being in history, look at a woman's prayer line. It's just a madness. It's like blankets and shawl and yeah and robots and bags and this and that, whatever. And some stick it here. You know that they stick it in front of them because God knows what, why. And so where they should be prostrating is there. In the end, they end up prostrating like that. Yeah. Instead of like, I don't know, using some initiative or something. It's crazy. Right. And it's horrible. And it's important for you to remember that the prayer line's got to look like a prayer line, feel like a prayer line, not like a jumble cell. Yeah. So that's the... Uh, 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 consideration for uh, the importance of not allowing breaks. Obviously, as I said, if there's a design, then that's something else. You can't get away with it. Um, if you are praying the obligatory as you do something like we do in this masjid. In this masjid, we don't use the front line. 
because it has these little things that cause a little bit of people to step back and whatever. So we adjust it and we pray on the second line in order to maintain a beautiful, straight, solid line. We put the Imam forward. And these are the kind of adjustments that the Imam uh, should do as much as possible in order to uh, make it as unified as possible. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam. So that's the section of the Imam complete. The, the next section that we're going to cover is going to be those excuses that are valid for the people who can't attend the Jum'ah prayer and the Jama'ah prayer, the congregational prayer. What are valid excuses in terms of travel, illness, blah, blah, blah. We're going to be covering this over the next few weeks in detail. All right. Now, having said that, obviously, we normally have time. Today's was a, a delayed lesson because we started late and we, we start, started Isha in about four minutes. So I just want to make a, quick, make a few quick announcements. Um, any questions? We've... Uh, Possibly I'll take on the telegram. All right those that had questions for today, especially online You can repeat them on telegram and I'll answer them. No problem um, The big news alhamdulillah is that next week um, uh, It will be a roadshow and we're going to London and inshallah It's going to be in Finchley Masjid North Finchley Masjid again They're always very very good to us very welcoming to us and our family over there and the, and the the quality of the students is fantastic, so I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Please, for the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, don't bring any chocolates, okay? No chocolates for anybody, neither for me, neither for anybody else, nothing. We don't want any chocolates at all, all right? And as for the sweets and chocolates, I would ask the sisters that please put it at the, open it up for the sister section, so you guys get it there. And we'll take these boxes out as well, because I'm already getting death dagger stares from the uncles there already, and whatever, if I start doing the old... Al-Maghrib behavior, start throwing out the sweets, I'm going to get basically killed. I'm not the man I used to be in this masjid. I've been put aside. The elders have put me aside. They don't yani, show that love anymore. There's more other people in town now, you see. So anyway, um, so next week, inshallah, in, uh, uh, in London, the online time, staying the same? Just to check the, the poster that will be released on Telegram, the online time is probably a few minutes earlier, maybe like 8 p.m. for everybody online. And it will be after, uh, locally, it will be between Maghrib and Isha, okay, for everyone in London or those who want to travel around to London. Then we're back here uh, for the next few lessons, okay, and that will be again after Maghrib, right? It will be after Maghrib. Uh, uh, just like today, but just keep an eye on the calendar and of course keep an eye on the telegram group. Of course, we will release the times. Okay, guys, Barakallahu fikum wa jazakumullah khair wa subhanakallahu wa bihamdik ashadu wa la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfirukallahu wa atubu ilayk wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Get into your lines, straighten those lines. Salah starts in. in